welcome to Subject to Talent, brought to you by Allegis Global Solutions. Similar to you, we're always trying to learn more. On this podcast, we speak to workforce and talent experts from around the world, covering market trends, technology, and our ever-evolving dynamic industry. Hi, I'm Bruce Morton, the host of Allegis Global Solutions' Subject to Talent podcast. Today, I'm excited that I'm being joined by Justin Lumby. Justin's a partner and chief operating officer at TalentNet. TalentNet work with many of the world's most recognizable brands to directly source contingent talent through its industry-leading direct sourcing platform. So welcome, Justin, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Good morning, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Great. So um, as our regular listeners will know, we always kick off by asking our guests the same first question. And that is, how did you get into the workforce industry and what was your journey to get you where you are today? Yeah, thank you. Um, so really somewhat accidental and, and coincidental. I was at the time um, going through university. I, I live in Toronto. Um, I was going to the University of Toronto. My One of my uncles actually uh, used to own a very small recruitment company. I needed a job while I was in university and that was really my more my foray and and um introduction into the world of all things talent. Um, going through university, I think like a lot of uh, undergrads didn't have a lot of direction in terms of what I would do afterwards. Um, so I started to actually focus on different topics just around um, em- employment, human resources, um, talent strategy, talent technology. I ended up from there going and working um, mainly uh, mainly within human resources for the first part of my career across um, procurements, uh, HR technology, Eventually moved into procurement, which is how I got introduced to the world of contingent workforce. Um, sat uh, sat at a large telco managing their contingent workforce program, and then fast forward a few years, got introduced to my two business partners in Talnet. Um, so back in 2013, uh, Talnet was formed. Um, we initially had this sort of concept of being able to have a very simple database that would allow contingent. Uh, programs to redeploy workers uh, just to create some efficiencies, both in cost and process. And that was that was really where where Talnet was born. I've, I've been with Talnet now for the last seven years. Right. So uh, and now you're the chief operating officer as well as the founding partner of Talentnet. So how do you describe the service that Talentnet now provides uh, eight years since the inception? Sure. So um, a software company that's that's based in North America, although we do support customers around the globe. Um, so really, the product has evolved quite a bit um, over the years. As I said a minute ago, it really started as this very small and simple technology portal uh, to redeploy uh, existing or known talent. Um, from there, we really expanded out into more traditional um, technical um, facility around things like uh, talent marketing, talent attraction, engagement, uh, talent pooling, um, and at this point have a multifaceted and multi-channel platform that allows um, both from a candidate engagement perspective to engage with the platform, uh, to register with a corporate brand and gain direct access to contingent roles uh, at some of the companies that we support, um, as well as a back-end CRM and almost ATS-like application that recruiters uh, and curators would work in um, that really powers their day in terms of the workflows and processes that they need, um, whether it's automating some of their recruitment processes through the day, um, managing different workflows or 
um, things that they have to accomplish through the day, and then integrated into the talent ecosystem around us. So other VMS products and ATS products, CRM products, uh, where we need a seamless workflow and, and uh, talent data exchanging through those systems. Wow, right. Um, so when you set the business up eight years ago, did I guess, as you say, it was a redeployment tool and the, the industry in a way in the market has obviously morphed into direct sourcing being a key element now of organization's strategy for directing that non-employee workforce. Um, and I'd like, I think that TalentNet have not just ridden that wave, you've actually been responsible for driving that um, and you know, obviously been very prolific in some of the wins you've had over the years. So as you think about that, and here we are, I hate to use the word post-COVID, but you know, coming back to some sort of, from a hiring perspective, the contingent uh, recruitment is through the roof right now. So as you what do you believe is causing that growth of the this element of that strategy for reaching out to candidates directly and organizations using their own brand? What do you see has been driving that growth? Yeah, I think I think there's a number of factors. So I think one is the labor market itself that we're dealing with a very tight labor market right now. That you know many organizations, especially those that feel that they have a leg up, whether it's in their what we refer to as your brand equity, um, that they feel that they are a top performing organization in the you know within the world within their sector uh, that has the ability to attract um, to attract talent to their organization. Then they want to look at different and new emerging techniques to exploit some of those process as opposed to maybe more traditional um, recruitment and staffing processes that have been around for, for some time. Uh, you know, one of the primary drivers uh, when Talnet first started and even through many early years uh, was always cost savings. Not to say that that's not an important factor today. Um, certainly in, in, in most of the organizations we're involved with, cost savings is still an element. But one of the things that we're starting to really see is a desire for organizations to take more direct control over the talent strategies and some of those sub-talent strategies that they have. So one example that I think is is very uh, prevalent today um, is around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So where we now have you know this this uh, white labeled portal uh, that an organization has branded to their corporate culture to their corporate brand, it also gives them an ability to directly um, be in control of a strategy around let's say D and I talent attraction. So one example is we're providing the underlying data streams and analytics to allow them to understand what the demographic makeup of their talent pool is. We can compare that against whether it's uh, census data or from the American Society survey uh, that comes out each every four years, identifying deltas within their workforce, and then from that forming very deliberate strategy um, to try to improve diversity, equity, inclusion across the organization. Um, that can be hard to do if if you've got a network of traditional suppliers and you don't really have any direct control over how they're going out, the messaging, um, and how they're directly attracting uh, talent to your organization. So we feel that it's gone beyond cost savings now, and that's one anecdotal example and topic, but where organizations are really looking to take direct control over specific areas of their talent uh, attraction strategy. Well, yeah, that's a great point. Um, and we certainly see that as well, as you say, to, to give clients more control of their brand to start with, right? Because they're pushing that out and 
um, obviously staffing companies play a major part in their strategy, but this is a this is a, a newer channel. So how do how has the industry reacted from your lens? The those staffing companies out there when you know they see this you giving their clients uh, the ability to reach out directly. Is this a threat or is it a compliment to what they're doing? Yeah, I, I guess you could look at it as both. But I think one thing to be clear on is that certainly from our perspective, um, direct sourcing is not a technology only um, solution. It, it absolutely requires a, a human operator that's supporting it. And we work with many uh, staffing uh, staffing companies and staffing providers out there as partners who ultimately are the operators um, that are operating Telnet on behalf of their customers um, and, and really we're just providing the underlying functionality to support that strategy. So from that perspective, um, you know, s- certainly uh, there shouldn't be a view of, of competition. The other thing I would mention is that it's very rare that we see in an implement implementation of direct sourcing that direct sourcing is going to go and solve for 100% of your talent demand needs. Um, it, it, it can be a very high um Proportion. It, it it really depends on what the goals are and and what sort of the the underlying strategy and tactics are of the organization. But at the end of the day, um, they're using this to solve a a particular problem. The same way that you would have statement of work and then have more of your traditional staff uh, staff og contingent work. So we see this more as another channel, as a channel that can be very very effective for very specific strategy and not something that is meant to in any ways cannibalize the pre-existing market, but more to complement it. That's great. Thanks, Justin. And that's exactly why I asked that question, to give you a chance to clear that up. Because I think there are a number of myths out there. Um, but you've positioned that very, very well. So thanks for that. And just coming back to that technology versus humans. So just to play that back, you're saying that this is you're enabling an organization, giving them the ability to use their own brand to attract talent but also giving the candidate perhaps a different experience the way that, because you mentioned engaging as well as hiring. Can you just talk to that element from a candidate's perspective? What's my journey like if I've been, you know, I see an ad for XYZ brand and I want an opportunity to go and work there will be on a contingent basis, which of course in today's world can pretty easily uh, convert temp to perm, right? There's a lot of that happening right now. Um, so how does the experience feel like? Do I know I'm in TalentNet platform? Could you just talk our listeners through that? You wouldn't necessarily know that you're in the TalentNet platform. Um, you could if you looked hard, but that's because right. it's a white-labeled platform that, again, is is deployed specifically for that organization. Got it. Um, what, you, what you would know as a candidate is that I am... I am viewing and reviewing an opportunity that's in front of me uh, that I can see that I have an, a direct ability to apply to this role um, to get feedback on my application for that role. So we do like to think that it removes some of the ambiguity and mystery that sometimes exists in more um, traditional recruitment channels, whereby you know a, a recruiter calls you for a position you've never really seen the position other than your discussion with the recruiter and you you might not have an understanding of what's then developed with your application with that position and really what's going on with the company ultimately that you've applied for so we do believe that there's right. more of a visceral connection to the brand to the culture uh, a more direct candidate application process but at the same time and I want to go back again to this the human element of it is it's it's somewhat ironic that 
we sometimes are in a position of, of defending sort of the, the role of, of humans in all this. Right. Um, and often there's sort of this belief that this is completely just, you know, software and it's automatic. You know, we still believe in everything that we design, engineer and, and build at Talnet that, you know, getting a job, whether that's a gig job, a contingent role, a full time role. Um, is it, it's a, a very in, important thing that that individuals go through. It can be a very sort of you know um, intimate and uh, you know so, you know so, so obviously a very personal thing. Um, and so for some of those reasons, we still believe even if it is possible to automate everything, that at the at the end of the day, someone who's applying for a job still wants to speak to a human and understand what is it like to work at this right. culture? Yep. Um, what is it like to go and engage at, at XYZ company versus their competitor? Um, and often again, because the direct sourcing team is dedicated to that customer, that's sort of another benefit that that, te- that team of recruiters or curators, they're working every day with that customer. So, so they do become a very strong brand ambassador for the core the culture of that organization that they're representing and really are able to provide that one-to-one, uh, again, sort of white glove um, discussion and, and sort of hold the hand through the job applicant, through the process, even though that, you know they are getting this additional access through the software platform to be able to understand exactly what is the role I've applied for, what is my status of that role, and even in the future, see other roles that, that come up and, and essentially have my own autonomy right. to look through available opportunities. Great. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for that. And just to complete the picture, how do, if you look across your client base, what's the typical payroll setup here? Does that tend to go through, is the curator you mentioned, is that a quasi-staffing firm that might be employing those people and payrolling them, or does the, the company, the end client have a payroll? Or do you do some of that? How does that typically look? Yeah, so from our perspective, um, you know, we deliberately try to be as flexible as possible on this because, you know, we work with a a wide variety of organizations and they will have different sort of um, designs, architectures, if if you will, to sort of what their payroll process is, the backend systems, who's involved. Um, Certainly one of the more common Common steps would still be that that uh, you know the, the first payee is is the MSP and then the MSP is is distributing um, payment both to Talnet perhaps the VMS uh, and if there's if there's a third party EOR involved as well uh, th- that can take place as well. Um, we've also seen scenarios where the curator uh, where if the curator is not the MSP where they are the first payee. Um, and we even have some scenarios where actually we are the first payee and right. distributing funds. So it really does depend. Yes. I would say probably still the most common though is is flowing through the MSP Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and then to us. Great. And EOR is employer record just to um, pay, in case folks were wondering. Sorry. No, no, yes. not at all. We're all guilty of that one of the acronyms. But the uh, so as organizations look to utilize this channel to talent, and I like the way you position that. I think visually, if you think about, you've got your traditional staff org, you've got your employees, you've got your gig workers, you've got, you know, service providers under a statement of work, and then there's this channel. As organizations think about that, what advice would you give them in terms of where to start? Are there specific types of positions, level of positions that 
seem to fit in this channel better than others? In terms of where to start, it's really going to depend on a number of factors, the size of the organization, how complex and, and sort of widely uh, varied the roles are across the organization, and, and the geographical regions that they operate in. One of the common things that we've seen with large organizations is to ring fence a geography or a set of roles, or even both, a, a sort of a set of a family of roles within a certain geography uh, prove out success in those areas and then look to expand. But with respect to uh, roles just in general uh, that should or shouldn't be eligible for direct sourcing, we've really found that the largest benefit is as you do show success in those initial roles, expanding out. And part of the reason for that is as you create a digital experience, again, one that is very uh, direct, that's autonomous, right. uh, where job seekers can come to your platform uh, they can view the available roles and then directly express interest in them. What you don't want to happen is a phenomenon where you know you're so successful in in, in one area uh, that that you know other job seekers um, from other professions start coming to the platform to the portal looking for opportunities and and can't find anything. So we generally advise that as you are having success. Um, in those early days that you do want to at least have a roadmap and a plan for how you're going to expand into other skill sets um, and other geographies. That's it's, it's a great exercise to work through, um, again, with whoever your MSP is, your yeah. creator partner. Uh, so here with our partners with AGS, um, being able to look at the underlying data and then make informed decisions about where the best place to start is, uh, but also to have, again, a roadmap um, to expand into the future. And from a sort of level of position, you, if you think about your client base, is there a a sweet spot or a, uh, perhaps it's the median of typically where, what level people go after in this channel? Is it, you know, the admin coordination or is this high-end, highly sought after IT skills or is it somewhere in the middle? Yeah, for us, you know, for us at this point, it really runs a pretty wide sort of array and scope of industries and, and, and roles. I mean, we support customers across banking, oil and gas, technology, telecom, software, um, insurance, and even utility, uh, utility companies. So I, I think over, you know, overall, the way we look at this is that the world is becoming more digitized. People want more self-serve and autonomous access to apps and to be able to sort of control their pathway and, and sort of their destiny towards something. So, you know, we don't really see this as being pigeonholed into it only supports sort of these three or four skill types, um, but more so that there's a general transformation that just slowly continues where people want more digital access to things. And again, more autonomous access where I can control exactly what I'm looking for and, and what I want to apply for myself. And we believe that's one of the main drivers from a candidate experience perspective um, in, in what's driving so much adoption of direct sourcing today. Great. And obviously, we're, we partner uh, with you and uh, very happy to be partnered with you. I think we've got some great successes between us. And the way we think about that is, and you mentioned talent pooling earlier, I think for organizations that they have visibility of the demand coming down the pipe, it's, it gives more opportunity to start building those talent pools ahead of time, right? Is that is. Do you see some of that going on as now with your clients beyond 
ones we work on together. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a great um, scenario that sort of emphasizes the the intersection and the importance between software and and the human operator here. Um, so from a right. from a software perspective, you obviously need some sort of a solution that's going to allow you once you have sort of you know drawn a ring fence around sort of you know th- this is the group that we want to go after. Well, you need somewhere to make sense of that. So you need somewhere to have profiles and to store those profiles and to be able to update those profiles and sort of have a history and and continuity there. On the other hand, by having a dedicated uh, direct source curator, so if Allegis is is sitting in that role working directly with their client, then the advantage of is by working every day with that customer, uh, to, sort of to your point, Bruce, they can get in front of major initiatives and projects that are coming up, right. maybe not today, that are that are sort of that's transactional recruitment, but that's two, three, even six months into the future. Um, and, and really have sort of deliberate and strategic workforce planning sessions with that end customer. Um, and then Talnet can provide the underlying software platform to sort of make sense out of, out of all of your efforts. But I think that's a great um, scenario and example of where really that, that human operator in the platform working directly with the customer have to come together to make that successful. And it's, again, not to diminish in any way uh, the efforts of a traditional staffing supplier, but where you have a network of decentralized staffing suppliers, it can be a bit more just logistically challenging to have that sort of um, focused, strategic sort of future workforce planning uh, with your customer. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, So eight years old as a company, started redeployment, direct sourcing. When... Do you, when, what was, do you remember when the first deal was that was direct sourcing as we think about it now? Is that like three or four years ago or something? Yeah. So for us, it would have been 2017. Okay. Um, I, you know, I think the I think the European market is a little bit more sort of mature mm-hmm. and, and ahead of North America sort of in, in, in this respect. So yeah. certainly that wouldn't be the first <laughs> direct, yeah. direct sourcing. But, but from our perspective, it would be um, in the U.S. Um, you know, and I'd say the, the, the velocity, I guess, to sort of borrow a term from Agile, but just sort of the the ramp up that we're seeing now continues to sort of accelerate. So if we look at sort of any, you know, 12 to 18 month window and go back to typically every sort of forward 12 months, we're seeing even more acceleration just in general adoption and right. and um, and subscription. Great. And what are those, uh, the early adopters, what sort of you know, now that four years, that's quite a long time in our industry. What are the main benefits those early adopters are uh, gaining and enjoying right now? I think I think one of the trends that we're seeing is because, again, um, you know, as, as simple as we want things to be, uh, there, there is some thought process and planning that has to go behind this. So it's not just like you sort of turn it on and go and you're successful. So right. I think for early adopters that now have success doing this, in the contingent space, what it's allowing them to do is have um, some very productive discussions. If 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 traditionally their say full time talent acquisition has been um, very segmented from from sort of the contingent world, you know now there's a bit of a bridge there to have mm. very effective dialogue and discussion about where are we going and not to use the cliche of total talent, but you know now the contingent program is going okay well. We've got this. We've got this platform. We've been now building a talent pool for the last few years. You know, let's say we're engaging fifty percent of our contingent workforce through this. 
This has the connectivity to speak to our other uh, systems within that talent ecosystem, be it on the full-time side, consulting, you know, what have you. Um, So, so really it takes, takes some of those uh, discussions and sort of strategic thinking around total talent out of sort of the whiteboard and the theoretical world and starts to make it a reality where we can really see a future where there's bridges between these systems and even the operating teams that are working. And we can start to just say talent is talent. Uh, there's one front door um, and really be more flexible, which I, I think today, if you look at how tight um, the labor market's being and just the competition overall for talent, that if you can be that organization that says, you know, we need the, the best React JavaScript developer out there right now, we're willing to hire contingent, we're willing to hire full time, uh, but we need our systems talking to each other. So we have one sort of view of that entire talent ecosystem available to us, um, then I think that is starting to be a more pragmatic topic where years ago was more theoretical. So I think just really getting ahead of the curve in, in terms of converging those worlds of contingent, gig, uh, full-time consulting, et cetera. Right. And, and I haven't actually asked uh, where these different talent pools come from. So obviously, as you mentioned earlier, you one of the methods is you're using the client's brand, pushing that out and through social and everything else to attract them that way. But the talk to me about the that connectivity there with HR because they you know the so-called silver medalists and those candidates that might apply for a permanent role how that works. Sure. So we we facilitate workflows and integrations today whereby um, let's say uh, let's say that you are recruiting for you know a, a large pool of IT developers uh, and you have some great candidates in that applicant pool on the full time side, right. but you simply just don't have enough seats, don't have enough vacancy to to sort of hire them all. Then one of the common processes that we see set up today is an integration through to the ATS. And as they receive that offboarding, um, you know, that offboarding email notice, whatever, you know, whatever the communication medium is to tell them that they won't be successful right now in getting the full-time employment, but it then incentivizes them to join the contingent talent pool. Uh, and we can even go as far as to programmatically start to recommend and match roles on the contingent side right away. Right. So, you know, the, the, the message now, although simple to the candidate, um, there's a lot happening from a technology perspective there to be able to say, you know, we realized that this role didn't work out for you. However, we really enjoyed the experience, the interview experience that we went through. And we'd like to recommend a few roles that we have over here in our, in our contingent program. Right. right. So, um, and, and, and that can go the other, the other direction as well. Right. So again, mm-hmm. trying to set up workflows that are, are seemingly simple, but really provide that sort of bridge, that connectivity between those, those, those two otherwise sort of diverse worlds of, of talent. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great, great point. And I think that anything that brings HR and procurement closer together has got to be a good thing, right? Yes. <laughs> so, and I, and I love the fact that you're doing it at the tactical level at the coalface, not just on the whiteboard. So again, great messaging. And I think almost by, almost by stealth, by osmosis, the world will get to more of a universal workforce approach um, as these different channels are get you know, get the control that you're giving. So great news. We hope so. Yeah. So final question for you, Justin, um, and you sort of just answered it. So um, this will probably make it even tougher, but crystal ball time, you were just talking about, you know, how the worlds are going to collide, but if more generically, I guess, what do you think the industry is going to look like in two, three years time, different to today? 
I don't have a crystal ball. I, I wish I did sometimes, but I can try and speak to a couple of themes um, that I think are, are evolving and, and will continue to evolve over the next couple of years. So first and foremost, coming out of the pandemic, um, we certainly foresee tremendous um, labor demand uh, that, that's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to, to meet. So I, I think for a lot of organizations becoming more efficient overall, um, more collaborative in their talent attraction and recruitment processes is going to be necessary. Right. Um, and I think it's going to be important for organizations to differentiate um, their talent experience, in, including having, again, from a contingent perspective, uh, a, a direct uh, a direct connection to the talent community that's out there, um, and being able to directly sort of market and expose your your brand and, and really advertise what your corporate culture is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing, and spoke about it earlier, but this the idea of a convergence between. Um, different sort of work formats or worker types and ultimately the teams that manage them within organizations. So speaking where we've had in the past sort of segregation between contingent workforce programs and HR talent acquisition, seeing those worlds uh, come together more. Uh, And there's both from a technology perspective, um, you know, Again, an evolving connectivity uh, between systems, uh, including systems like Talnet, that increasingly allow uh, for business processes and workflows to flow seamlessly between different ecosystems uh, and talent systems, exchanging data and making those workflows possible. Uh, but again, from a from a curator, from a recruitment perspective as well the human operators that are ultimately behind this, being able to collaborate uh, and work more in conjunction as opposed to on islands and and, and somewhat segregated. Uh, We're also seeing as well, um, even from a, uh, you know, how organizations look at talent, starting to take a very similar view, uh, well, maybe not from a taxation status, um, but certainly in terms of the benefits, the types of benefits that they're trying to offer, the type of talent experience that they're trying to offer both to contingent workers uh, and full-time workers. And, and we honestly believe because of the demand that there is on, on talent now um, that you will have to, that you will have to provide a similar experience for your contingent workers going forward that you do to your full-time employees if you plan to, to win the war, so to speak, on talent and be able to attract them. On the technology front, I think, you know, we'll see, um, of, of course, um, continued investment in R&D going into things like machine learning and AI uh, within the talent space. Uh, the talent space um, with respects to machine learning um, has some complexities because, of course, we're dealing with personal data. Um, we're dealing with, with, with PII. Uh, there's both privacy laws and, and, and obviously ethics that we have to um, uh, that we have to respect and that we want to promote the right thing. Uh, so that does bring some complexity into the R&D and engineering process. But I do think that we'll continue to see um, large leaps in, in, in sort of the, um, the complexity uh, and, and really just the efficiencies generated through machine learning and AI um, within the talent space. The second big theme I would say is just a growing uh, interconnectivity uh, around the talent ecosystem. We, we've certainly seen it over the last decade or so, um, but that velocity seems to be continuing to accelerate where we just see 
more and more connectivity between systems um, that really allows and promotes, again, this idea of seamless workflows um, and easily um, exchanging data between systems, which, which ultimately just makes business processes um, that much easier um, and that much more, more flexible. So um, that, that's what I see over the next couple of years. Um, and I'll, I'll look back in a couple of years and uh, see how accurate that was. Great high note to finish on. So thank you so much for joining me today, Justin. Been a great conversation. So where should our listeners go if they want to learn more about TalentNet? So they, uh, they're welcome to go to our website, uh, talentnet.com. Uh, we obviously have a social media presence on on LinkedIn. Um, they can speak to to our partner in, in AGS, um, <laughs> or they could uh, email me directly, and I'm happy to um, I'm happy to take anyone's emails and, and speak to them. That's jlumby at talentnet.com. Fantastic. Thanks again, Justin. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bruce. Have a great day. To learn more about AGS, please check us out at allegisglobalsolutions.com. You can also send questions for me or our guests. Just tweet us here at Allegis Global with the hashtag subject to talent or email us at subject to talent at leadersglobalsolutions.com. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, please subscribe, rate us and leave a review. Until next time, cheers.